Hey, Will, thanks for brainstorming with me and for being our very first guest on Fellow Travelers. Welcome officially. This is meant to be a time capsule of interesting discussions with the people I admire most in the business community as we emerge, I hope, from the pandemic. Uh, I don't know if you think of yourself as a lawyer, if you think of yourself as someone who works in real estate or what you think. Um, but I'm never really sure because I'm not sure I think of myself as a woman in IT. And I'm also not <laughs> sure that I think of myself as a lawyer anymore. So I think I, right. I don't know where I fit. You don't, you but, don't need to be, you don't need to, to, to you know, um, no identify boxes. with one or the other. Yeah. I mean, look, that's the beauty of the whole thing is, I, I mean, look, I'm, I still practice law. I'm really a lawyer. I practice in a whole bunch of different genres, obviously, but you know, at the end of the day, it's half law, half business. It's probably more business than law for you. Um, but you know, you're still a lawyer. You'll always be a lawyer, no matter what. You know, that <laughs> that that will not leave you. That will uh, not leave you for sure. I think it's pretty cool that uh, that you started your own firm out of law school. I'm just yeah. curious. Do you think you have hustle? I I used to have a lot of hustle. I used to have a lot of hustle. <laughs> I think I, you I, still I have a lot of hustle. You know, it's, it's funny. If it's one thing that kind of gets tempered in, in a corporate environment it is the hustle piece, right? Because you kind of fit into a corporate culture. You kind of fit into a corporate value structure. And you can think that you're hustling, but you're not really truly hustling like, <laughs> like, 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 like true hustlers do, like OG hustlers. Like hustlers are really about, you know, getting out there, pounding the pavement, picking up the phone, me, doing me like... <laughs> That's true hustling. And that takes some some energy, man. That takes some energy. In in my first business, when I ran ATD, and we had no work at occasions, um, yeah. obviously part of my job was, was paying the bills. And uh, I would walk the underground in Toronto until I would yeah. run into potential clients and like hustle <laughs> in the underground. And That's I amazing. Stop walking the underground until I had more work to take, <laughs> to take back to the team. Um, you're, you're a path hustler. That's I amazing. Was. But that is like it's, it's actually like it's um yeah I, I I often wish I could teach what that feeling was like where it was like if I don't get us some work nobody eats this month so that's, listen so let's that is that. that is a hustle gene that not everybody <laughs> has I I am telling you that is a hustle gene not everybody has so so kudos to you because you're the guys that 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 use that hustle gene to rain make build business start business <laughs> create stuff and other people when they hear that they know they can never do it like they just know they can't do it because they don't have that yeah, but you I'm, I'm just it. gonna go get it you're one of yeah. us yeah um, yeah no no I did it I did it I did it when I was when I was much younger I, I did it and then corporate Canada took it from me <laughs> <laughs> well and and speaking of corporate Canada and culture what do you think is the most productive culture we've been building ours um yeah. so we have a culture um, around client obsession, around speed, around relentlessness, around big vision. And then here's one that's weird. Um, we have a cultural principle around being friendly, um, mm. which I think is just a bit different, uh, but it is something that makes us a bit unique because yeah. if, if you don't want to have a bit of a laugh as you're being super relentless and intense, you, our cheer is probably not a really good spot for you because we, <laughs> we like to chill a bit too. Um, yeah. And, and I'm curious what you think makes for a good culture. Yeah, I've I've actually been through many different work cultures, right? In 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 my travels, and um, some were terrible. There, there's no doubt about it. Some 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 were terrible. Not sort of employee centered. Not, you know, just all business. 
you know, employees or widgets, you're really just there to produce and, and, and create. And the end result is really what we're there for. And then lately, you know, you know, being a McDonald's and McDonald's is a, is the kind of brand, like, you know, it's a fun brand. Let, let's be real about it. McDonald's is a fun brand. And, and, and it ha- the, the best that, brand? yeah, it is. And, and, and it, it has been a revelation in terms of working under this culture and, and the values have changed over the years, but that family environment, you know, bring your kids, you know, it's the first restaurant we want your kids to think about. We want you to come to the play place. It's not called happy meal for no reason. Uh, you know, it, it really is, you know, like a, it's supposed to be a fun environment and, and that, that, you know, putting the, the guest first, um, you know, we want people to come to our house. You know, it's, it's, we, this is like our home and we want to feed you and we want to, have you eat good food that you'll always love and that you'll bring your kids to and you feel comfortable eating from a, a food quality, a food safety standpoint. Um, so yeah, I think that that value piece and that corporate culture needs to exist, not just like for us at the restaurant level, it has to exist at the, at the corporate level too. And um, while it has changed over the years, I feel that you know, yes, the pandemic has really put like a kind of big stomp on that because we're not together anymore. But when the office was open and, and you'll see this happen in the future, the vibe there is amazing. Like it's incredible and, and with the people around. So, so yeah, I think um, that, that, that value piece is important to drive your business. And, and for us, it's the same. We're guest focused, guest driven. Mm-hmm. And and we also want to make people know that we're also sort of environmentally and 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 um, you know from an eco-friendly standpoint, like we're we're our our our, our principles of sustainability and, and not just taking from the planet, but making sure you you leave again the planet in in a good way um, is huge for us, right? It's it's huge. I never realized that McDonald's is shaped like a house until you said. <laughs> I like never, it never occurred to me that that is clearly the icon being invoked at, at McDonald's. Um, do, have you ever been to Hamburger U? Yes, many times. You once told me that they were off menu items that are sort of like, that. <laughs> is that, is that a thing? Oh yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> and, and, uh, and do people at any McDonald's anywhere in the world know it's a thing? Like if I go and order a, I believe you told me it was a double quarter pounder. Is that a thing? Yeah, no, no. You can customize your stuff however you want it. Like, I think people don't realize how much they can customize, right? So that's the beauty of McDonald's. (laughs) If you said you wanted, you know, a Big Mac, but you want to use quarter pounder patties instead of, you know, the smaller patties. If you wanted to put a, you know, a a McChicken in the middle of your two patties, you can do whatever you wanted. You can literally customize the living crap out of what's the what's the best customization you've seen or order look i'm really like i'm a big mac guy right so any take on big mac i i so i would i've had big macs with angus patties which are enormous i've had you know small ones where i just need a snack like a like a like a hamburger dressed like a big mac like you can do a whole bunch of stuff whole bunch of you can swap cheeses but I'll, i'll tell you what at least at head office, which which is why I miss head office so much. Because um, our restaurant at head office, I used to customize my egg McMuffin. And, oh, and it's at my head favorite office, menu item. Favorite menu item. Me too. Like, I mean, basically, I egg McMuffin every day. And, you know, we were, we did scrambled eggs. So I used to get an egg McMuffin with scrambled eggs, with, with, with cheddar cheese, not processed cheese, cheddar cheese, 
tomato. It was the most glorious breakfast sandwich. But now, you know, because of pandemic, we're not doing scrambled eggs anymore. We're like, ah, it's just terrible. But um, mm-hmm. I, I wish the office were. Well, open and it's two hundred ninety calories. It's like it's pretty healthy. It, it's amazing. Well, I eat McDonald's every day. Like I tell people that I eat McDonald's. Well, when I went to the office, I ate McDonald's twice a day. I didn't eat it for dinner, but it was breakfast and lunch. <laughs> and um, yeah, I managed, you know, not to gain any weight. So it's doable. It totally is doable. <laughs> um, and then, do you think that you'll go back full, like full bore into the office when when you, yeah. Where, where do you think? I mean, we've got some people who say the era of office centricity is dead and we have others, like we're seeing the big U.S. banks say hustlers come on site. I'm curious where, where you think the world I, is. I, 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 think it's, I think the workplace has changed forever. I, I, I think there's no going back uh, from, from probably what should have evolved naturally, but didn't because of fair factor on management side of people not being able to do work remotely without time stealing to death. Um, and then on, on the efficiency production side, right? Like, um, could you actually work remotely and still be efficient and productive? Uh, and this pandemic has proven that you can do all of the above. So this work-life balance piece is never going away. I, I can never see us going back to the office five days a week, 12 hours, well, not, not for everybody, but you know, 10 to 12 hours a day. That's just I don't see it happening. And in as much as the banks want to put that kind of pressure on people like, oh, the hustlers will come to us for shit. Like that is just not, that that does not fly for me. I don't think that would fly for many corporate cultures, uh, especially in your industry, in the in the tech IT, that, that's garbage. That, and I, I, that's just a, a guilt trip thing to make people come back to the office, which is nonsense to me. See, it's funny. I'm a real office person. Like when, yeah. before we were in lockdown, I was in my house um, <laughs> with my kids. And yeah. uh, uh, then, uh, you know, I think because I'm a young mom, having a little bit of space, um, maybe young's not that there anymore, but at least about, <laughs> um, having that like, space was helpful, I think, to sort of get that for focus sure. for me. Um, yeah. But I don't think I'll ever go back five days a week at ever again I think yeah. I'll probably be a four or three day a weeker which is sort of what we'll encourage because we want to be capital efficient about space and we want to be totally. sort of at it and um you know so maybe maybe that means you don't have your own desk anymore but I think that era of like the closed door like do you have a door on your office do you have an office no we have yeah, open like, concept I haven't had an office since like the late 80s yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> like I just like yeah I mean that's an exaggeration, but I, like, I haven't had an office in 15 years. Yeah. Same for me. Uh, it's now been 16 years since I had an office that had a door because that's how it was at Tim Hortons. I actually had a box with a door and a window and I could close the blinds or shut the door and nobody could get it. Uh, McDonald's is open concept and, and talking about workspace. Like when I, when I was mentioning McDonald's HQ, the new, the new HQ they did was built totally on a hoteling concept. Mm-hmm. So nobody had you really had a, a, a cubicle where you, there was, so they went paperless. You had a little cubicle space where you could put some stuff, but you were not meant to come into the office every day. You were meant to hotel. And um, I, I see businesses going that way because it comes down to dollars and cents. You can absolutely manage mega capital by not renting out the same footprint uh, and have people work out of their homes for three days a week or two days a week, get work-life balance. Um, yeah, we're, I'm, we're not going back. I, I'm an office guy too. I'm an old dad, 
you're a young mom and I'm an old dad and I <laughs> still you, feel like um, I'd like to, to work from home at least a couple of days where, yeah. you know, you can wake up in the morning and not have to commute, uh, which I had to do or, or, or not, you know, you know, stroll into my house at eight thirty nine o'clock like I used to do after, you know, being tired and hungry all day. And, 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 and then like, that's great not to be able to do that for two days. So, or, 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 or more. Um, so yeah, I don't think we're going to go back for five days a week. Well, I hope not. You know, you're an economist and and former entrepreneur and lawyer. Like when we come out of this pandemic, what do you think will be the impact to Canadians? I mean, it's hard for me to get a sense of like where we're at and what's going to happen. I mean, people talk about K-shaped recoveries and all that, but I'm I'm just curious from an ethos perspective, or you know, it's it's just hard for me to it's hard for me to see what's happening right now in context, I suppose. And I'm just curious if you have thoughts about sort of. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, when you're knee deep in stuff, you can't really see yeah. 10 feet in front of you. Right. And uh, I, I've actually, I sat through a couple of seminars, online stuff, you know, some futurists talking about how this, you know, what's the next 720 days look like. And to be honest, his, his, um, I didn't think about it, but his take was it's going to be the roaring 20s again. He's like, I'm into that. Yeah, totally. He's like, this is going to be the roaring 20s. Um, Hopefully it won't end like the 20s ended because that was the first thing I thought about. God, I hope it doesn't end like the the 20s (laughs) did end. Um, But he's like, no, it's going to be roaring 20s. He's like, people right now are waiting to bust loose. You know, there's a lot of um, disposable cash and income that people have had nothing to spend on. No trips, no shopping. There's money out there. Uh, and then, you know, when things do open up, it's going to be mega boom. And you saw it yesterday in the stock market in the States with the inflation worries, right? And, and the U.S. is one economy that's already bouncing back. So the stock market took a dip because their inflation numbers were not looking so hot. And we got to be careful with that and interest rates and the whole, the whole deal. But I feel I agree with, with, with uh, Leonard Brody. He, like that roaring 20s piece, it's going to be, it's going to be like a war is over. And there's going to be baby boom. There's going to be there's going to be a lot of stuff happening in the next seven twenty day, one hundred twenty days that uh, I think are going to be pretty incredible, pretty incredible. Well, I I think there's going to be like a collective exuberance. Yeah. And I mean that's not to sort of discount the experience of those who lost their jobs and and of right. course internationally what's happening like it's it's a travesty. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, I think around here, I mean. If you talk to anyone in the UK right now, yeah. the, the nation is coming to party right now. <laughs> and I think that that's kind it's of- It's so true. Yeah. Do you have any pent up demand for anything you want to purchase? I mean, what I want to do is I want to go and spend a day shopping. And I like don't even necessarily need to buy anything, but I want to go into stores with the people and I just want to yeah. look at things. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a total shopaholic. And, and- <laughs> Part of part of my my uh, my staying sane during the whole thing has been retail therapy. Like, I mean, I have gone online and bought stuff that I'm like, oh, I don't need this, and I bought it anyway just to make myself feel good, you know. So, so I don't think I have like a pent up because I've been satisfied with that shopping desire all the way through. <laughs> I think my only pent up thing that I would I would spend money on now is travel. Like travel, that's the thing I would. I would buy. I, I want to go away. I want to get on an airplane and go somewhere and okay. see different people and different cultures again. And da, da, da. Me too. Me too. I want to go everywhere. London yeah. will be my first trip. 
um, nice. legitimately because uh, some of our investors are from London and we've never met. Awesome. No way. Well, that so, definitely is a reason to go like that for sure. Um, so we'll, we'll got to go. go. I think the world is at a, at a huge crux, right? Like, I mean, yeah. yes, if you think about BLM, that was not, I mean, that's, it's, it's wild that such a, a huge waking up of the world has happened in the middle of a pandemic. I think that that is really a wild thing. I, um, I think it's the most ironic thing about the entire pandemic. I mean, there's been nothing positive about the pandemic itself. It's been yeah. horrific from a, a, a human cost standpoint. And then you had BLM, which, you know, the, 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 the origins of B, like what happened last year was tragic. I mean, it was murder. Yet, 100%. oh my gosh, the way that it created, that, that emanated out of that. And it has been, it's changed lives in a very positive way because there's not one brand, you know, big company out there that is going to survive unless they take diversity, inclusion, and equity, you know, seriously. And, and it, it's funny, I, I say diversity, inclusion, and equity, which is not a great acronym, by the way, um, because I, I also, <laughs> the reason I do it, the reason I do it is because you can't have equity unless you have diversity and inclusion. Like you have to hit diversity and inclusion first before it results in equity. So it really should be D-I-E, but it's terrible. So we'll stick to D-E-I. <laughs> do, um, do you think that Canadians are taking it seriously enough? Sometimes, you know, when I'm with my American friends, it was really uh, a moment. Um, and yeah. sometimes here I, I have friends that are sort of like, not our problem, don't really see it. And, you know, it, it, it makes me angry, if I'm to be honest, because I, yeah. I, I wish I could feel a more palpable shift locally. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because I know being in, in, in the big company that I'm in, it's there, right? It's present because it has to be present, right? When you look at your, your workforce and your, your corporate folks and, and you know, the, the people that work for the company, we are a huge diverse bunch, especially in Toronto, right? I mean, Toronto is immensely diverse. In everyday life, I haven't felt a shift because, again, in, in Toronto especially, we have always been very, you know, diverse. Um, I, I feel to a degree we have been inclusive in Toronto. I think what I've seen, though, and what's been more brought to light, which is different from the States, you know, the States is very overt. It's binary. It's, it's black or white. Like, I mean, that's, the, that's what you have going on, black and white. It's not binary here. And, and what I found is that the subtleties here, the institutional stuff, the systemic stuff, the endemic stuff of, you know, looking at your board structure, you know, looking at your executive group, you know, those, those, are, those are different things than, you know, being called a name in public or, or suffering from anti-Black racism or anti-Asian racism because of all the stupidity that happened. Yeah, the, the stuff I've seen a shift on is more like, people are taking a look at themselves asking, do I actually have diverse friends? Like, do I, can I actually say I've been to somebody's house or I have a friend who is black or I have a friend who is brown or I have a friend that, you know, is from a different culture or country where you can learn. And I, I feel like I've talked to people, especially because I'm, I'm the, the, the co-chair of our BIPOC network at work and, and our allies who obviously are, are you know, Caucasian, are starting to ask themselves, 
I don't know. I don't know much. Like I, they're, they're actually realizing they don't know much and they need to sort of get out of their safe space. So it's not for, you know, BIPOC people to get out of their safe space. It's for allies to get out of their safe space and come and learn, learn culture, learn diversity, learn that we're human, but have such core differences that in the workplace, you have to take it into account. Like you have to, for a workplace, for you to bring your authentic self to work, you have to feel like you're being seen for who you are and you're not putting on a, a suit and, and leaving your culture and your identity behind at home in your wardrobe and now coming to corporate Canada, you know, where you're homogenous. And I, I, that's changed for me. I'm no longer homogenous. I refuse to be seen as a homogenous person, like colorless, in other words. Like, oh, I'm, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. So that makes me not racist. Well, no, it, it still kind of makes you racist because you're not seeing color. You're, you're actually not looking for color. You're looking for homogeneity, I guess. And that doesn't work anymore. Well, and you're not recognizing the experiences that others have had. Yeah, one thing I'm particularly proud of is our, is our Arteria is 85% visibly diverse, which is um, wow. awesome. Um, Congratulations. Thank That's you. amazing. Thank That's you. amazing, Shelby. Awesome. <laughs> and for a deep tech company, we also have a 40, 40% um, women, which I'm pretty proud of as wow. well. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, you know, coming along, um, yes, I believe if we're going to build an iconic company for the future, it needs, to, it needs to look like one. So let's give it a go in our rapid fire question format. Awesome. What is the crappiest job you've ever had? The crappiest job I've ever had. Ah, it was in uh, grade 11 at a summer job. It was at actually a very big brand, which I won't name. And we had to do, my friend and I got the job. We had to do inventory, which basically meant, and I, I'm not going to date myself, but we went through huge spreadsheets like this much, basically line by line, checking boxes, comparing two spreadsheets. It was mind numbing. But uh, I made like, I think it was five bucks an hour. So that was a terrible summer job, but I made some money. Now, how did it get you this crappy job to where you are now? <laughs> I'm not sure it really had a, 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 a bearing on, on sort of how I got my, you know, my career going. All it did though, was make me not want to do any of those kinds of jobs in my future. So maybe, maybe that was it. It was a negative response. Good lesson. Uh, what's the first place you want to travel to after COVID? Oh, great question. You know, in my head, I have sort of beach, sun, sand. And on the other side of me, like I'm dying to go back to London. Like I love London. And I would, I think it's a toss up, but I'm going to say the first place I want to go to is, is London, is London. I, I think that that's my first trip after COVID too. Um, no kidding. Maybe we'll meet there for lunch. <laughs> for sure. Lunch in London. Great idea. Yeah. Uh, what are you feeling most grateful for in this moment? Oh, you know what? Right now, it's just sort of being healthy. I got vaccinated. Uh, there's lots of optimism out there. The weather's great. You know, things are looking like there's a light at the end of the tunnel for all of us. So at this moment, I'm just grateful that we kind of made it through the toughest time. And it looks like summer might be kind of half decent. Uh, fingers crossed. What yeah. is your favorite food? Or if you don't have one, what's your favorite book? Oh, oh my gosh. I have many favorite foods. My, <laughs> my, my, my most favorite food, obviously, I'm from the Caribbean. So it's Caribbean food. So it's actually like a roti, which I love roti. Um, my favorite book, I have many favorite books. Um, 
I think my, my I'm going to say that my most recent favorite book is The Alchemist. I, I, I just read it. I thought it was phenomenal. It's a book I can read again and again. Uh, so it, it, it shot into my sort of top five of books. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I am 100% a morning person. Uh, I, I like to start my days as early as possible. I went through a phase where I was kind of even being a night owl and a morning person, which uh -huh. didn't leave a lot of time for sleep, which, which is not good. Uh, but I would say definitely morning person. I love the sunrise. I love getting started fresh, grabbing a cup of espresso and getting my day going. Do you have any hobbies? I do. I do. I have, uh, I mean, I'm going to say sort of the typical stuff, right? Yes, I read, you know, I, I, I listen to music. That's all sort of blah, banal stuff. I play a lot of video games, so <laughs> I'm still a gamer. I play a lot of video games. And um, I guess one of the hobbies that I used to do very well, and I, I, I kind of put it off, is drawing. I used to draw a lot, and I'm going to start drawing again. And that's going to be one of my big hobbies coming up. Um, what's, uh, what's your favorite video game? We are playing right a lot of Mario in my house right now. Really? Well, I'm kind of on the other side where I go multiplayer Call of Duty. So that, that's what I do to just like go <laughs> brain dead. I go on, play a few games, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, and I get my, 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 my adrenaline fix, and then I'm, I'm good for the night. Um, what will you remember most fondly about being in lockdown? Ah, you know, that, that's great. I think, you know, probably spending a lot more time with my kids than I, I ever have before. And because I have teens, it's spending time is a lot more difficult because you, you barely see them. You know, they come out for feeding and then that's <laughs> kind of when you do see them. Uh, but yeah, it's more like spending time with my, my kids more, more, more than I have. And I think more than I will as soon as things open up and everybody goes back to sort of their regular, you know, daily routines. I think I'll, I'll, I'll miss that. Um, and then any advice you would give to them or to yourself when you were like a young Will? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and we talk about it because that's one of the good things about spending time with your kids, right? You, you, you actually have conversations. And one of, one of the conversations, because they're, you know, they're teens, they're, they're finding their way, you know, as young adults in the world. And I, I, you know, I give them some of the advice that I was given when I was younger. But I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, is find, find your passion. Find your passion, you know, there's no pressure in terms of I want you to be this or I want you to be that. I want you to find what you love doing. And if you find what you love doing, it will be rewarding. You will make money. You will be the best at it. So, so just find what your passion is. Explore, explore the world. Don't lock yourself into anything and find your passion. You'll be the most successful if you do. <laughs> That's almost such a great note to finish on, but fine, last question. Um... Do you have any sense of what you want your legacy to be? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. You know, I, I, I haven't really thought about it. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is to, to make sure that my kids are set up for success. Like I, I would love to make sure that, you know, they, they learned some wisdom from me while, you know, I had a chance to, to sort of to, to, to tutor them uh, before they made their own decisions. And I guess just leaving the world in a little better place than, you know, I found it. So I find as I've gotten older, I try to give back to the community, volunteer, you know, some, some charitable work, things like that, that, you know, I didn't have time before. And now as I get older, I have a little bit more time. So yeah, it's just leaving the world a little better place than you, than you found it. 
Um, well, with that, thank you so much for giving us a quick glimpse uh, into who you are. Uh, I hope this gives people a sense of, of what the world is like right now and, and, uh, and a quick snippet into, into someone I admire very much. So thank you for that. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a real pleasure, obviously, talking to you and happy to be on the inaugural uh, episode. So, so, so thanks. We're going to redo this, this in five years. Well, we'll see. <laughs> that will be really fun. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I, I've got you for that. Ha, ha, ha.